Sometimes you gotta go back to actually move forward. I don't mean all the way back to dental school. Let's face it, that was an awful experience. But when it's all said and done, you still have questions. That's what Paul and Justin are here for. To answer your questions as your dental business mentors. Alright, hey everybody, we are back for another edition of Dental Business Mentors. I am joined by Dr. Justin Bullar, and we are here to answer your questions. Please send them in at info at dentalbusinessmentor.com. So what are we answering today, Justin? So today we're going to talk about team turnover. So, you know, everyone hates that. Nobody likes it. And it's terrible for, you know, just even patient perception when Sally the hygienist is no longer there. And so we want to talk about team turnover and how to reduce that and what it's all about. Yeah. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've had zero turnover in over eight years. How the heck is that even possible? It's exhausting. But I think I'm somewhat of an expert on this. I've, I've really put a lot of attention to why doesn't my team ever leave? And it, not that I want them to leave. When you have long-term team members, a lot of other stuff comes with that too. Everybody knows the systems. Everybody who comes in comes into a bunch of people who know the systems. We're not doing a lot of training, retraining, turnover. So turnover can really hurt a practice. So if you are looking at your practice and you have a lot of turnover, what is going on? Because there's definitely something happening. And what I always think it comes down to is a lack of control, is people don't like having a lack of control. So it can mean two things. It means either you're not allowing them to make decisions, like you're micromanaging. So you're always over like telling them what to do. They're not giving any leeway, any flexibility. They can't be human within the practice. So I think it's really important that we we set expectations and then we let our team do what they do. Let them be human. Let them use their brains. Or the other thing is that you might be setting expectations that are way too high and unattainable so that they feel like the lack of control comes from they feel like no matter what they do, it's never going to be enough to make you happy. So those are two big things. And the other thing is that you've heard me talk about this time and time again, psychological safety. People don't feel safe addressing things. They don't feel safe addressing things that are bothering them, talking to you about things that can be improved. And where does that come from? That comes from the leader. That comes from you listening. That comes from you not being defensive and you just encouraging your team to talk to you. So going and grabbing team members saying, hey, you know what? Come over here. Let's have a conversation. How are things going? So I think turnover just comes from, you know, I said that lack of control, but it's just like people not being heard. They're just not happy working for you. I say it's not the amount of pay. There's so many intangibles where people will stay at a job. I mean, I'm not saying you should like try to be at the lower end of your pay scale, but I don't think you have to be at the highest end. And I think no matter what, if somebody's unhappy, you can never pay them enough money to deal with that bullshit day in, day out if they're unhappy. You've got to address those things. So for me, it all comes down to psychological safety and do they have a perceived lack of control? So what do you think, Justin? I agree with everything you're saying, man. I mean, over the time we've gotten to know each other, I think there's there's an other component to what I've seen in you that's probably contributing to having low turnover as well. And I think that I'm not sure if you directly stated it, but it's, but it's humility. Like, you know, you don't got to be that know-it-all. You're not trying to, if someone's bringing you feedback, you're not going to just push them away. You're actually wanting to hear it. Like you want to hear it out. You want to improve. And I think you're Dr. Paul Etchison in the practice, but at the end of the day, 
you're on everyone else's level. You don't operate with the hierarchy. And I think you're also really authentic with them. You know what I mean? It's not like you act like Dr. Paul Etchison. You're Paul there and you're Paul with everyone else outside of that. And I think that consistency is super important because people pick up on authenticity, right? Like you can't be around a bunch of women all day long and be posing and putting on a front. Like you got to be you. So I think that's huge, man. And I think that's a really big component. So with respect to team turnover, I'm in Paul's position now too, where we have very little turnover. Now, because some of our practices are are not, there's no owner operator, they're associate driven models. It's a little bit different because it's not like Dr. Paul Etchison's practice or Dr. Justin Bowler's practice. It's this dentist who may be there for, you know, three years and, and not there or something like that. So we do have some as a result of dentist turnover, but very little, less than 3% of, you know, all of our team members have, have left. So that's wonderful. And I think what it comes down to is this first is we weren't really good at picking the right people in the first place. And so that's our recruitment process now, right? So we get the right people on, not perfect, but more often than not now, we get the right people on the bus using our onboarding or recruitment process, I should say. And then we also figure out like what hat they should be wearing, you know, as well. So, you know, when it's a hygienist, they're wearing the hygienist hat. But, you know, when it's a front end team member, like really what role should they be doing up front, for example? So we try to dial in there and really try to focus on that. The second thing is we're super transparent with them. There is no ambiguity about like, what is your role here? right? Where we're, we tell them, you know, what their roles and responsibilities are, how we measure the results in those areas, and, you know, what our expectation of a result looks like. So we also share the practice goals for transparency and say, like, this is where, what our practice goals are, and this is how your individual role influences that goal, right? So it's like, Creating transparency, because I think people generally want to do good at their job. And I think if you can create the transparency for them and tell them how they can contribute, it's important versus just like they didn't do something the way you thought they should, because they should know what you how you want it, right? And then you walk you walk over and get all irritated about it. So I think it's important providing support and showing genuine and sincere appreciation, not just like the, the hey, thank you, and walk out the door, like straight up look somebody in the eye, walk up to them when they've done a great job rebuilding your schedule and say, I really appreciate how hard you guys hustled or work to put that schedule back together. I know it's not easy. Thanks for doing that. So I love the idea of acknowledging the individual role and the acknowledgement because we had a meeting not too long ago where I was showing pictures of my patients and I just pulled them off their Facebook. I was like Facebook stalking patients. And it was this guy and he was just sitting there with his uh, like maybe eight-year-old daughter and they were going to a daddy-daughter dance. And I said, this person hadn't got their teeth cleaned in five years. They had their perio treatment. What are the odds that this person is going to live longer and have a healthier heart because we made it easy for him to say yes. We made a welcoming environment. We scheduled the appointment. We made it easy for him to pay. That's everybody in this office played a part of this. And I had a front desk team member call me that night and said, gosh, I never thought of the, the overarching, the significance of what I do when I answer the phone. So just giving everyone, letting them know what their individual role is so that they can embrace it and have a larger vision of what they do with the practice. A hundred percent, brother. So, you know, we've all had team members in the past and we've all heard of Dennis saying like, you know, my team thinks it's all about the money, right? So, yeah. you know, it's all, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Well, look, let's take some accountability there and look in the mirror. Why does our team think it's all about the money? Because the only time we bitch and whine and complain is when the productivity is not where it's supposed to be or we didn't get the instrument we want, right? So 
It's like, do we bitch and whine and complain when, let's say, for example, the team member did not treat the patient, you know, consistent with our, our mission, vision, value system? Or do we go and really catch team members when they're good and say, hey, look, this is not about money. Money is a report card. But what you said, Paul, was important is what you do is more than just answer a phone. You are the first and last impression for this practice. You know, the we could treat the patient super well in the back, but if they have a bad first impression or a bad last impression, that doesn't work. And that's why I trust you to be here because you got a wonderful personality. You know how to connect with people. You have a high level of emotional intelligence. And I know you're going to take the best possible care of patients. And when they come and they go, they're going to remember you, use their name up front, did this. So like you're, they're then leaving there with a positive feeling towards you, towards the practice. And so it's more than just picking up the phone. Then I relate the front end, just like you did to the clinical man. And, and really honestly tell people that because at the end of the day, if all you feel like you're doing is scaling teeth or filling teeth or just the basics of it, then it's not rewarding. I mean, orthodontics is not about slapping on braces, right? It's about improving somebody's self-esteem helping them get laid, for example. So, <laughs> so that's what it's really about. That's, so that's how I sell it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Not, so, not to the adolescents though. We don't go there. No, no, no. You gotta be careful. So, you know, I think that's super important. I appreciate you bringing that up. I'll, I'll talk about a couple of other quick things here. Paul talked about wage. I agree that with that wage is not really it, but you can definitely be underpaying people. That's why it's important for you to recruit well and hire well and train well and do the things like the appreciation we're talking about, the transparency, but then also make sure that they're compensated like in that upper end of what they would be making for their skill set. Because you don't want people, people not going to leave over a dollar or two, but some people will consider leaving over like $8. Okay. Cause that's a meaningful and material difference in their life. So I think if you're confident in your hiring process, then you should pay in that upper portion of what the market dictates for for that particular role, right? Like if if your receptionists in your area are making, you know, the, the top receptions are making, let's just say $30, let's say, okay, as a random number, well, then pay them 27 to 28 and help them increase to that 30 number over time. So I, I think that's important. The other thing is the grass is greener on the other side mentality. So I think it's really important to educate your team about what the dental market's like and also educate them about how we're different, right? But don't educate them by shoving it down their throat. Just show them how they're different. See, they're talking to their their friends and their, like an RDA has RDA friends. They just, they all, and they're on Facebook groups and all this type of stuff. When everyone else is whining about how bad it is in their practice, your team should be talking about how much you respect them, Yeah. right? That's what they should be talking about. And now when they go talk to their friend and they say, my dentist did this, they say, oh, my dentist would never do that. Yeah. It's one of those things that acknowledgement, just acknowledging, even like I, I write my team members a really thoughtful card every Christmas. I do it for everybody. And when I have a new hire and it's the first time they get it, they just can't believe like the nicest things. Like nobody has ever like told them that or wrote them a card of saying, you know what, you just got such a warm heart. I see that the way when you speak to patients, they just feel good. Everyone can send your, your energy is contagious. Just like really specific things. And nobody gets that acknowledgement. Most people don't. I'll say, so when you do this with your team, they feel valued and, and appreciated. And it's so unusual 
for them to to have that at a job. And then you're the best boss ever. And, and just one last thing I want to add is doing things together outside the practice as a team. This has been really tough for us right now with all the coronavirus stuff happening is like we're not having our annual barbecue. We tried to make a trip to Nashville. We never freaking made it because I had I tore my ACL and we had to reschedule it. And then the coronavirus happened and now we had to reschedule it again. And you know, these are things that you mentioned. They're on these groups. And I'm like, you know, every year we take a trip somewhere, two or three trips. We get together as a team all the time. We all love each other. We have so much fun together. Those are the things, even if you're the biggest jerk boss in the world, if your team loves each other, they will put up with you forever because they will not want to leave that work community. So true, man. Yeah, that's really well said. It's it's super important. Build the relationships connect with people and don't fake it. Like just actually connect with them. There's something that you can connect on. And if you're the type of person who's like, nah, I'm more of a, I'm more like this or I'm more like that. Well, hire people you like, yeah, right? Totally. And if you're nervous and you don't want to talk to your team, just um, just drink a whole bunch like I do. <laughs> <laughs> just get a little loose. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, write in your questions. Email us info at dentalbusinessmentors.com and we will talk to you next time. Hey, Dr. Etch here. If you are like most dentists I talk to, you want to grow your practice. We all know that we didn't learn how to run a successful practice while we were in dental school. So where do we learn it once we get out into the real world? That's why myself and Dr. Justin Bullard created DentalBusinessMentor.com. If you want to know the tricks, the tips, the tactics that we use in our own practices, DentalBusinessMentor.com is for you. Over 175 videos, not to mention the documents, protocols, and checklists that we use to run our practices. We have modules on phone skills, mindset, reappointment and reactivation, leadership, culture creation, marketing, effective meetings, patient experience, case presentation, KPIs, scheduling, and collections, just to name a few. We will show you how to run the practice of your dreams. So if you are ready to take your practice and your life to the next level, check out dentalbusinessmentor.com and you have nothing to lose. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you aren't happy, we aren't happy. Go to dentalbusinessmentor.com and take the first step towards learning how to create a practice that helps you live a better life.